Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Um, now I'm loud. All right, this morning, uh, I would like to talk to you guys about Peter. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit more. We're going to start off reading our text. Uh, I'm going to give a caveat real quick that I was really busy this week, and Stephanie was very gracious and made slides for me that I have not even seen yet. Um, so if the slide thing doesn't go perfectly as planned, give me grace and forgive me. Um, if I could start off with our text, uh, why don't we stand and read the word of the Lord together? Simon, sorry, Luke 22, 31 through 34, and 54 through 62. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny Three times that you know me, you will disown me. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of a high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, he had sat down together. Peter, I'm sorry, and sat down together. Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. But an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I do not know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. You may be seated. Uh, this is a tough section for us to read. Uh, when I read it, I kind of get a little emotional because, wow, it's tough. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to segue a little bit so that I can get less emotional. And I'm going to give you a little story. Uh, it's, it's a classic story, 1800s French. It's called The Count of Monte Cristo. Most of you have probably read the book or seen the movie or both. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick summary of the beginning of that story, uh, the beginning of the betrayal that happened in that story, just so we can, we can see how fallen we as humans are. Uh, at the age of 19, Edmond Dantes seemed to have a perfect life. Uh, he's about to become a captain of a ship. He is engaged to a beautiful young woman. Um, everything is just going right for him. He's successful. Everything is going well. He's really young. Everything's going well. So, so what does that do? That stirs up jealousy. Uh, there's jealousy amongst his friends. He has uh, a couple of friends in the story, uh, and neighbors and acquaintances and such. Um, the first one is Ferdinand Mondego. He is in love with Dante's fiance. Ferdinand is coveting this man's fiance, soon to be this man's wife. Um, so he is jealous towards him, jealous towards his success, jealous towards what he's going to have. Uh, the second one is Danglers. He's the treasurer of the ship. So he sees this young captain, younger than him. Why is this guy a captain? Why was I overlooked? Why, why not me? Why am I not taking the wheel, literally? Why, why is that not me? So he's jealous, yet again, of Dante. Uh, the third one is, and I, I may pronounce this name wrong, so if anybody here who's in French, I apologize, Cadruse. Uh, and simple, he's just envious. He's his neighbor, and he's just envious. He's like, this guy, he's got everything. I'm watching this guy go to work and come home, and got a beautiful girlfriend, he's got a great job, he's just, he's just envious 
of Dante and what Dante had. Um, so these guys get together. So, you know, these guys are all jealous, and for whatever reason, they're all brought together. And that's usually a bad thing because now they're all talking about, you know, man, why does Dante have everything? Why not us? So they come up with a plan. Uh, it, is, it, is, it has helped a little bit because uh, Dante was asked by his deceased captain to carry a letter to Napoleon, from Napoleon, to Bonaparte's sympathizers. So he was asked to carry this letter. He didn't know what the details of the letter was, didn't know anything about it. He was handed a letter and he carried it. He doesn't have any, any political affiliation. He's not at all tied to this letter whatsoever. He's just literally, sure, I'll take a letter, just taking a letter. Well, these guys find out about it, and they find out where it's going, so they accuse him of treason. Okay, so they accuse him of treason. So now he has to go in front of, well, let's back up just one step. That accusation happens on his wedding day. So he's supposed to get married. The day that that happens, he's, he's like getting ready to get married, he gets arrested. Okay, so what's supposed to be a happy and wonderful time for him, he gets arrested. So he's taken in front of the uh, public prosecutor, his name is Villafort. So Villafort, he's a pretty smart guy. He sees through the plot. He's like, these guys have just come up with this stuff and he sees right through the plot. This is, this is men being men and, and these guys are, are troublesome. He sees through it. So Dante is like, if this was the door, he's like this. He's just about out the door. But, but Villafort asks one more question. And that question is, to whom was the letter going to? Who is this letter going to? Who, who are you carrying this letter to? Turns out that he's carrying the letter to Villafort's father, Notier. So Villafort's like, hmm, this is a problem. Because now I have a treasonous act in my family. My father's old. Um, he's got different views. But how's that going to look upon me? How's that going to look upon my aspirations of who I want to become? So he's like, you know, right or wrong, the easiest thing and the best thing for him is to say, I'm going to put you away. So he puts Dante away for life, for life, just like that, because I can't, probably won't get what I want, puts him away for life. Uh, this is the very beginning of this story. This story goes on. I'm not going to obviously tell the whole story because I only have three hours of battery time. <laughs> and we have to get through this. Um, so anyway, he's, he's, you know, he goes through. He, he goes to prison, uh, the worst prison that he could possibly go to. He finally escapes from prison. As luck would have it, he, he amasses riches. Uh, basically, he finds treasure. Um, he, he, he becomes a man of substance and of money, and he uses all that to get revenge. That's, he's like, I have all this, and now really the money didn't mean anything to him at that point. He was free, and he was going to seek revenge. Um, and I am glad that our story is going to be a little bit different because the man we offend, you know, his reaction is much, much different. He doesn't seek revenge. He seeks redemption. And that's a, that's a wonderful part of our story. Um, so today I'm going to give a talk about Peter. Uh, Peter was Jesus' friend. He wrote books of the Bible. He's a senior leader. He's been around. He's a great man in Christianity. Everybody here has heard of Peter, I'm sure. Um, and I'm going to talk about the fact that Peter fails. Peter fails Jesus. But when Peter fails Jesus, what does he do? What is his immediate reaction? What do we read? So at the very last line, it's still behind me. He went outside and wept bitterly. What a great reaction. Yes, he failed. What a great reaction. Um, and the good news, we're going to talk about the good news. That's the bad news. The good news is that Jesus does not fail. He will not fail. He is faithful to us all the time. Um, we're going to talk about the restoration of Peter. And, and as he restores him, he encourages Peter. Go out, go out and preach the word. Go out and strengthen others. So for all you teenagers in the room, that's a summary. That's the cliff notes. All right, we're going to go over them again, because you're teenagers, you need to hear it twice. All right, if you get nothing else, this is the cliff notes, okay? So if you're under 18, and your attention span's almost out, here it is. Here it is. Peter, great Christian leader, fails, repents. Jesus does not fail. He is faithful to forgive 
and restores Peter, telling him to go preach. You need to tell your story, teenagers. You need to tell your story, everyone in the congregation. Excuse me. Um, I lost my spot for a second. Uh, what we should learn from this is that we will fail. We will sin. We will get things wrong. In our actions, in our words, in our thoughts, in our relationships with spouses, children, parents, friends, siblings, co-workers, pretty much in everything, at some point, if we let people get close to us, we're going to fail. It's going to happen. We're going to fail. We're going to fail people because we are failed people. Um, Jesus is always there. He will not fail. Jesus is always there. He's always there. He's, he's like this, pretty much perpetually all the time. He's, he's here. He's waiting. He wants, he wants you to say, I'm sorry. He wants to pick you up. He wants to love on you. He wants to know who you are. Jesus will not fail. Jesus will never fail. Okay? Cliff Notes, teenagers, I hope you all got that. Go back to sleep. All right, our story begins very early in the Gospels. Uh, we first learn that Peter was a fisherman. The first, the first talk about Peter as a fisherman. Now, you need to understand that Peter was not hanging out the, at the Home Depot of Galilee waiting for work. Okay? He was a fisherman. He wasn't, he wasn't waiting for a boat, hoping to have work that day or anything else. He owned a boat. Okay? So he had, he had a boat. He had nets. He had employees. He, he wasn't, you know, he was, he was high level, shall we say. He was a business leader. He was a businessman. He was a business leader. Okay, he's, he's got a lot going on. Anybody here who runs even the smallest of companies understands that he's got a lot, a lot of hats he's wearing, a lot of things he's figuring out. You know, he's fixing boats and tending nets and doing all kinds of different stuff. Um, so he was, you know, my, my phrase is he was the CEO of the Sea of Galilee. Um, Jesus came to him and called him. So it was a lot for him to leave. You see, a lot of people think that he was just out in some boat fishing. It really wasn't a big deal. He's just, you know, but this is his livelihood. This is what he does. This is, this, is, this is a huge deal. So Jesus comes and calls him and says, follow me. Follow me. So Peter left that business. He left that boat. He left that family. He left all his relationships, okay? Follow me. Up to this point in our story, where we are now, he's been following Jesus for three years. Three years. These guys have been together for three years, okay? Anybody who's been with me for more than a week wants to get rid of me. But they've been together for three years. They've been together a long time, a long time. I mean, they're eating together. They're sleeping together. They're, they're figuring life out. I mean, they're trying to figure out how they're going to eat probably a lot of the time um, or where they're going to sleep, uh, who they're going to preach to. He's seen miracles. He's seen miracles in his own family. Um, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Peter was there when he passed out loaves and fish. Peter walked on water. He walked on water. This guy has been around. This guy has seen a lot. Um, he was there when Lazarus was raised from the dead, so it's, it's amazing that as we go down later that he doesn't understand that Jesus would raise from the dead when he saw Jesus raise people from the dead. But he was there when Lazarus was raised from the dead. Um, this is just to name a few. This is just to name a few. But today, unfortunately, we're probably going over the darkest moment in Peter's friendship with Jesus. This is probably the worst of times. This is, this is as bad as it has gotten for Peter. Um, the moment when he looks up, sees Jesus' face, and realizes what he did. It's, this is a low, 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 low point in Peter's life. So, verse 31. Um, interestingly here, I, I don't know exactly why, but this is my synopsis. Um, why, does, why does Jesus call him Simon, Simon? Simon, Simon. Why does he go back to that? Why does he go back to Simon, Simon? Why isn't it Peter? Um, if, you, if you remember, when Andrew brought Jesus to Peter, or brought Peter to Jesus, sorry, I got it backwards, um, Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter. That's 1 John 1.42 for anybody taking notes. Um, he named him. That doesn't happen very often. It happened to, uh, you got Jacob to Israel, you've got Abram to Abraham, there's probably more, you've got Saul to Paul, 
Uh, it doesn't happen every day. I mean, Brett did not get renamed when Brett became a Christian. Okay, it didn't happen. He's still Brett. I'm still Scott. You're still you. Okay, Jesus renamed him. All right, so why does he go back and say Simon, Simon? I, I think he's telling, I think he's telling Simon something. I think he's telling Simon something. He's saying, you're going to go back to who you were. You're going to go back to your old ways. You're going to be Simon for a minute. That's okay. You're going to go back to who you were. You're going to do some things that are messed up. That's who you were before you knew me, and this is who you're going to be after you know me. It's just, it's just an interesting contrast that he would go back and say that. Uh, we've all had those times. We all, we've all had those times when we look back. We have those times when we're, you know, when we're thinking that something is so attractive that we know we shouldn't get into. We know we shouldn't desire. We know we shouldn't want to have any part of. And we do the same thing. We look back at it. Maybe we run to it, and maybe we say the same thing Peter probably thought as, you know, am I a Christian? Am I saved? What am I doing? What am I doing here? What am I doing here? Um, that's the moment that Peter had. So Jesus looks at him and says, you're going back to your old ways. So I, I want you to understand another very important part of this is that he knows. Jesus knows. Jesus knows that Peter's going to fail. Jesus knows when Peter's going to fail. Jesus knows how many times Peter's going to fail. Okay, it wasn't just some random lottery luck. Jesus knows. Jesus knows when we're going to fail him. Jesus knows that we are going to fail him. And that's okay. It's all right. You're going to fail him. You're not going to be perfect. Breaking news. So God is fully aware when, where, and how we're going to sin. You may, you may believe that sin and tragedy are not in your future. It's not going to happen to you. You're not going to be that guy. But you will be. You will fail. It will happen. Okay? It may not happen often, but it will happen. There will be times, and it may not even be something that the whole world sees. It may be something that only you know, but it will happen. Um, third point in this section is... Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. All right, so we as Christians want to believe that we're holding Jesus' hand, and we're walking down the beach. It's an 80-degree day, not too hot, not too cold. The water's 81. Don't know how that happens. Um, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Everything is great because we're walking with Jesus. And we want to ignore or not acknowledge that Satan is real. It's right there. It's in the Word. It's in the Word of God. Satan wants to sift you as wheat. That's what he wants to do. Everybody's sitting here. He wants to sift you as wheat. Um, three things working together. We're going to go real quick over this. Um, externally, the world, it's opposed to God. Basically, everything, every world system is opposed to God. It wants you to rebel against God. It wants you to sin against God. It wants you to act as the world does. Secondly, your flesh. That's our natural characteristic, to fall right in line. Let's go and rebel. Let's go and sin. Let's go do all these wonderful things the world has. Uh, and thirdly, you have Satan trying to sift you and trying to pull you. Um, he, he pulled Peter. He got, he got, Satan got Peter this time. Okay? He didn't get him at the end, but he got him this time. Uh, what we need to do is we need to go to truth. Uh, he is greater. He is always greater. So when Satan does want to sift you or... Possibly Satan does sift you. Get up. Repent. Say you're sorry to those people you need to say you're sorry to. Pray and ask for forgiveness. Okay? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. None. Zero. Whatsoever. He, he has paid the penalty. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. Uh, and greater is he who is in the world. Greater is he that is in the world. Okay? He is. He is and will always be greater. He is and will always be better. He is and will never fail you. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit now about Peter. We've already kind of gone over it, but we're going to talk a little bit more about it uh, in, in the second section, Luke 22, 54 through 61. We're going to go over this uh, scripture one more time. Then they seized him, that is Jesus, and led him away. He is being arrested bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire, 
in the middle of the courtyard and sat down. Peter sat down together with them. This is the part I really want to emphasize here. Then a servant girl. Servant girl. Come on, guys. A servant girl. Really? Because Peter was worried about my daughter Haley. Servant girl. Not a servant, not a woman, not, you know, not some great person in the community. Servant girl. Okay, you know Satan had gotten into his mind. He says, I really, you know, I'm a man. I really wouldn't be that worried about what a servant girl said. I wouldn't be so worried that I'd be like, no, I don't know who Jesus is. No, I don't know who my wife is. Let me get out of here. I'm running. It it doesn't make any sense unless, unless something's going on in his head. He is so worried, so worried. All right, it's a servant girl. So, I mean, in, in that day and time, girl, okay, obviously a different day and time, ladies, I'm sorry, but it's, it's, a, different, it's a different age, okay? Did not have, did not have a whole lot of uh, pull in the community. Secondly, she's a servant. So it's like, okay, it's a girl and it's a servant and she's probably like 10. Why was Peter so scared? I don't understand. Why was Peter so scared? Um, I just, you know, it just it really blows my mind. It really, it really honestly blows my mind. Uh, she, she looks at him, and she's like, you know, you just picture the, the back and forth. You just picture it like, you were with Jesus. He's like, no, I'm not. It's not me. I wasn't him. I don't know that guy. You know, and she's like, no, yes, you are. You are. You were with him. He's like, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. No, I swear it wasn't me. You know, I mean, it may have been written in one line. It may have been, it may have been that quick. It may have been a drawn-out thing. She may have said, you have a Galilean accent, man. You have to be with him. You know, I can tell. I can tell by the way you talk. Okay? You just don't know. You don't know exactly how all that played out. But it's just, it's just amazing to me that Satan was really able to get into his head to that point that he would deny three times. Well, one time there. Sorry. Um, so now, after he goes through all that with the girl, a short time later, another man says, you are one of them. And he, he's a little bit more firm at this point, I believe. Man, I am not. Man, I am not. I'm trying to be real clear, real clear with everybody. It's not me. It's not me. I don't know the guy. I don't want to know the guy. I don't really even know his name. What's his name again? Um, then a third. Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, and then here's the, here's the killer. The rooster crows, and Jesus looks at him. Can you imagine? Right? Jesus looking at your face as you just denied him three times. Just as you just failed him blatantly within, you know, maybe across this room. Maybe from me to Danny. Maybe from me to Mike. From me to Taylor, you know. You know, anyway, within, within sight, he could see. He could see what happened. He knew what happened. And he could see his Lord Jesus getting ready, getting ready to go onto the cross, getting ready to be crucified, getting ready to be tried, all the things that were going to happen. And he knows in his heart what happened. So what does he do? So what does he do? And this is, this is, the, this is the best part of the story. Uh, well, to this point, he goes outside and he cries. He knows shadow of death, that what he did was wrong, that he sinned against his Lord and Savior. He knows. So he, what's he doing? He's, he's like this. He's crying. He's upset. He, he's maybe, you know, melts over on the ground somewhere in some corner. You know, he's a, he's a grown man, okay? We as grown men have all cried in our lives, but we can probably count them on one hand, maybe two. Okay, we don't cry a lot. You know, we're doesn't happen very often. All right, he's a grown man, so you just got to think about that. He's a grown man. He, he sees what he did and quickly runs outside, and he cries. He's upset. He's visually upset. He looks like a bumbling idiot to anybody who walks by. They're like, what is wrong with that guy? Um, so we're going to... Have, have we 
in our lives had that moment? Have we ever had that moment in our lives? Have we had that moment, we kind of think about Peter, think about Peter's situation. Um, have we had that moment in our lives when, you know, we have wept bitterly and we have been upset and we know we have done wrong? You know, how do we, how do we react? Peter's reaction was wonderful. It was wonderful. He went out and he sought repentance. He sought Jesus. We need to have that same reaction. You know, we've all, we've all done it. We've all had that moment. We've all had those words pass our lips that we can't reel back in fast enough. Um, it happens. It's going to happen. You're going to fail. Peter failed. You're going to fail. There's no doubt about it. Peter is, by no stretch of the imagination, one of the closest people to Christ. He has seen all these miracles. He's seen everything done. He has been part of Jesus' life, and he failed Christ. Um, around the same time, there was another disciple who betrayed Jesus, and he's probably a little bit more famous or infamous. Uh, that was Judas. Um, we're not going to talk a whole lot about Judas, but we are going to, you know, we all know the story, I assume, but, but Judas betrayed Christ for 30 pieces of silver. Okay, and what did Judas do? What was his reaction in compared to Peter? All right, was he remorseful? Yes. Was he upset about it? Yes. Did he seek forgiveness? No. Didn't seek forgiveness. So, you know, I believe that Christ forgives, without a doubt. And I believe that if Judas would have went and said, same thing as Peter, we'd have a different story we'd be talking about. But he, was, he, was, he did not ask for forgiveness. He was too proud, too ashamed. He let, he let Satan have that foothold and didn't come to Christ, didn't come back to Christ. And it's, it, it, the story is, for him, unfortunately, is very sad because we all, we all understand that he hangs himself. He ends his own life. All right, so this is a pretty sad story to this point. Um, but thankfully, like my kids always said in Sunday school, now we're going to talk about Jesus because that's all we talk about in church is Jesus. You ask them, you know, what did we do today? We talked about Jesus. Well, now we get to talk about Jesus. Um, much better part of the, part of the story is that Jesus is not going to fail. Did Peter fail? Yes. Are you and I going to fail? Yes. Did Jesus fail Peter? No. No, we're going to learn that he didn't, that he wouldn't, that he can't, that he won't. Okay? 1 Timothy 2.13, for those of you taking notes, even when or though ye are faithless, he remains faithful. He will always be faithful. He will always be there. He always has the open arms we talked about earlier. He's always there. That's the essence of Christianity. That's what Christianity really is. We are faithless, and he is faithful. He holds our relationship with him. He held Peter's relationship with him. So it's, it's Christ's faithfulness, not ours, that holds us to Christ. So what's Jesus going to do? What's he going to do? What's, what's his part of the story? Now we're, now we're kind of off text. I, I apologize. Um, what's, what, we all know the story. What, what does Jesus do? What does he do? What's, what's his next move? Okay, he just got betrayed. He just got arrested. He's just been, you know, he's, he's in, a, in a bad spot in his own life right now. All right, so what is, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? He, he is going to do what we were all so thankful and gracious and glad that, he, that, that he's done for us, okay? He's going to go to the cross. He's going to go to the cross, all right? That's Jesus' next big move. It doesn't seem like a move at all. It seems like, all right, well, he got denied. He got beaten. He got flogged. He got sent to a bunch of false trials. They lied about him there. They, they demoralized his character. They've, they've done everything they can do to pull this man down as low as possible, and after they do that, they're going to send him to the cross. Okay? So they send him to the cross. They, they nail him to a cross. They crucify him. The, the, the worst way to die in that time, maybe ever, okay, they, they crucify him at that point. All right? So he dies. He dies. He dies the death that Peter, the denier, should have died. Peter should have been on that cross. Peter failed Jesus, right? Peter failed. You and I fail. You and I should be on that cross. It should be us. It should be us hanging on that cross. I know it sounds morbid and it sounds a little dark, but 
It should be you. It should be me. We're, we're the ones. We're the ones that should be on that cross, not Jesus. Jesus lived the perfect life. He didn't sin. Why is this guy on the cross? Because it's his plan. Because it's his plan. So he dies. He dies. He's on the cross. And, you know, this is, this is amazing. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the only way that the Father can forgive them is if he dies. And if he goes to hell, he takes the keys. He takes the power. So he, he says, Father, forgive them. And then he says, and here's how you're going to do it. Here's how you're going to do it. You're going to do it through my death, through my burial, through my resurrection. I am the means. So, excuse me, I forgot my water. Three days later, the word, the word on the street is, he's alive. He's alive. He's, he's alive. Jesus is alive. Have you heard? Jesus is alive. So, Peter and another apostle whom they didn't name in the, in the version in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in Luke that I read, they run to the tomb. They run. They run. They're, they're going as fast as they can. They hear that he's alive. They run to the tomb. They take off. They're going. They're going to check this thing out. They're going to see if he is alive. They're going to see if it's, if it's real. Okay, and it's, it says in John that Peter was a little slower. That he didn't get there first. The other apostle actually beat him there. Um, but the other apostle didn't go in the tomb. Okay, they say Peter was the first one to walk into the tomb. So here's a guy. Well, three days ago. Three days ago. Said, I don't know who you are. I don't want anything to do with you. Please leave me alone. Did everything he could do, everything he could do to not be part of this. First one. First one. He's like, please be alive. Please let me redeem myself. Please let me apologize. He, he wanted to be there. He wanted to be there because he knew where he was and what he had done. You know, I, could just, I could just picture Peter in his mind. He's like, I hope he's there. I hope it's real. He's got to be there. I've got to see him. Thank you. I've got to, I've got to know that, that this is real, that he's alive. And in fact, he was. In fact, he was alive. In fact, he was resurrected. And in fact, he, he really restores his relationship with Peter. Um, Jesus forgives sinners. He pursues sinners. He loves sinners. It's, it's all death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, so now we're going to talk about the cure. So how do, we, how do we not do as Peter did? How do, how do we do the best we can? You're going to fail. I'm not going to sit here and give you a solution that you're, oh, yeah, if you do these five steps, you'll be perfect. No such thing. Um, but the cure for our failure, the cure for our condition is Jesus. He's the cure. He's the cure for who we are. He is the cure for what we do. Um, look back at Luke 22:32. Back to the initial discussion between Peter and Jesus. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And here's the really cool part. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And when you repent, Strengthen your brothers. Okay? You're going to sin. You're going to deny me. Peter's like, what do you mean? I'm your guy. I'm your guy. I'll go to prison for you. I'll die for you. I'm your guy. I've got you, Jesus. I'm your guy. When you deny me, after it's all done, when you fail, and you have repented, strengthen your brothers. Okay, you need to have a relationship with Jesus. You're going to fail Jesus. Jesus wants you to, uh, he wants you to have a story. Okay, we don't need a bunch of people sitting around here that, you know, Jesus made me a winner. You can be a Jesus winner too. That's, 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 
you know, we don't need that. We need people with stories. We need people that have failed. We need people that have fallen. We need people that have a story to tell because your story is important. Your testimony is important. No bad news. Why have good news? Okay? Bad things don't happen. Why do we need the gospel? All right? He tells Peter, you have a story. You have a story. You're going to fail me. You're going to mess up. When you repent, go tell people. Don't keep it inside. Don't, you know, we don't, we don't, need, we don't need the story either that Peter was a great business owner. Peter followed Jesus. Peter wrote books of the Bible. Peter was awesome. That's really not a life-changing story. That's just like, I'll never be as good as Peter. Oh, well. Okay? That's not, that's not the story. The story is Peter fails. Jesus doesn't. The story is you will fail. Jesus doesn't. The story is I will fail. Jesus won't. That's the story. So, Jesus does one more thing. He reconciles Peter in John 21, 15 through 17. Uh, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, Jesus says, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to them, tend my sheep. He says to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter's grieved at this point. He's like, uh, yes, Father, I, I keep telling you over and over again. Um, he's grieved at this point. Do you love me? And he says to him, Lord, you know everything. You know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Okay. Denies him three times. Jesus turns around and says three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He doesn't, he doesn't scold him. He doesn't beat him around. He doesn't do what we would do in that situation because now we have the power and we can beat this dude up a little while. Um, he doesn't. These guys are friends. He, he, knows, he knows who Peter is. Peter knows who he is. Okay? He, he loves Peter. He loves Peter. A love that we can't even begin to understand. He loves Peter. All right? Now, I mean, what would we do? We would say, Peter, you're a liar. Peter, you have fear of man issues. Peter, we don't want anything to do with you anymore. You have failed us. You have failed us. I am going to cut you out of my circle. I am going to move on because I'm in a society that likes to run away. That's, that's our reaction. Jesus' reaction is entirely different, entirely different. He's, he, he looks at him and says, do you love me? Do you love me? Doesn't call him a coward. Do you love me? Do you love me? Why does he ask that question, you guys? Because um, every sin is against God. Every sin, everything we do, everything we do comes down to that, those three words. Do we love him? Okay, if I do something to anybody in this congregation, or I have done something, I, I ask forgiveness now, I apologize. Uh, it really comes down to, even, even if my sin is against you, it's not, it, it, it is, you're affected by it, but my sin is against God. So the question is, when we do these things, when we behave these ways, when we speak these ways, when we think these thoughts, okay, we can be perfect on the outside, and then our mind can be rotten, rotten, rotten. Mine can, rotten, rotten, rotten. Do you love me? Do you love me? All right, now we're going to go into application real quick. I know I've been kind of applying as I go, so it's not going to be very long. Um, but I just have a couple questions to, to talk about and think about, and then we'll be wrapped up. Um, 
Do we deny Christ? Do we deny Christ in our everyday? When we're here on Sunday, he's great, he's wonderful, I love Jesus. You're out there, you're at work, you're at school, you're living life, you're in the market, you're doing whatever you do. Do you love Jesus or do you deny him through thought, action, and deed? Uh, have we lost our first love? Our first love is Christ. When you were a new Christian, you were probably like excited about this new thing. Everything's wonderful. You're running to Jesus. Did we stop and take a water break? Are we still running to Jesus? Um, are we quick to repent? Peter, I mean, that's the beauty of the story. Peter quickly runs out. Runs out. Like I said, hands down, crying, upset. It was, it was five minutes, not five days, not five years. It was five minutes. He, he, was, he was quick to repent. He knew that he did wrong. So what should he do? He should repent. All right, now we're on the other side of the coin. Are we quick to forgive? I mean, Christ is like, you know, he had some things to do, had some business to take care of, had to die and, you know, be raised. But after that all happened, what does he do? He sits down with Peter. He gets face to face with Peter. Do you love me? He didn't text him, didn't tweet him, didn't Snapchat him, didn't email him. He got face to face with Peter. Tom Jr. told me today, if God wouldn't do that, then he could have. So I got to believe that. <laughs> okay? He got face to face. He sat down and said, hey, do you love me? You know, he gave forgiveness quickly. Sometimes we don't want to do that. Sometimes we want to hang on to that offense card. All right, I got this guy for at least three weeks, months. Like, drag us out for a year. Um, do we understand that Jesus already knows? Do you understand that Jesus already knows? Do you understand that he knows you're going to fail? He knows you're going to sin. He knows you're going to mess up. It's not a secret. You can't hide it from him. Okay, if you knew you couldn't hide it from him, you'd probably be quicker to ask for forgiveness, right? You can't hide it from him. Okay? You're going to fail. You can't hide it from Christ. He knows. He knows when you're going to fail. He knows the people that have failed today, the people that failed last week, the people who haven't failed in the last week think, hey, I'm great, I didn't fail last week, you're going to fail tomorrow. He knows. He knows. He already knows. Do you, do you get that? He finished the work. We talked about it. It's finished. On the cross. On the cross. He finished it. It's a finished work. It's already done. Ask for forgiveness. Repent. Uh, are we overconfident? Do we, do we get to be like Peter sometimes? I can imagine that Peter was, well, we already know that Peter was a pretty confident guy. We know that Peter, you know, he's walking on water. He had his own fishing business. He was, he had himself together. Peter had himself together. He was confident. He thought that Peter could do it in Peter's strength. So when Jesus says to him, you will deny me three times, Peter's like, maybe John, maybe James. Not Peter. Peter doesn't do that. That's not how Peter rolls. Okay? So sometimes Scott thinks that way. My wife's quick to point it out to me. That's not the way Scott rolls. Okay? Scott doesn't do that stuff. And then next thing you know, sorry, I did this. Um, but that's, that's the way it is. That's the truth of the matter. Do we, do we get comfortable and confident in our circumstances in life that Jesus, Jesus himself has blessed us with that we want to forget about him? Last question. Real short, real simple, real easy. And then we can, uh, Brett's going to bring us to the table for communion. Uh, it, and it's, it's the, the whole emphasis of this. Do we love him? Do we love him? Do we love him? Do you love him? Do you love Jesus? When those things happen, when those things roll out of your mouth, when those actions happen, when you do those things to your children, do you, when you do those things to your mother, when you do those things to one another, your spouse, when those things happen, when those things roll out, do you love him? Do you love Jesus? Okay, you're going to mess up. You're going to fail. Bad things are going to happen. How do you react to it? How do you react to it? Do you act like Peter? Do you weep? Do you ask forgiveness? Do you say you're sorry? Do you correct it? Or do you be prideful like Judas? Do, do you hold on to maybe shame or anguish or maybe just pride? Like, you know, I, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. What I did was right. It leads to destruction. It leads to destruction. Um, so do you love him? So, Brett, if you want to come forward. Brett's going to do communion, and then I'm going to do a benediction for you.
So I'm going to hide out in the front here. Thank you very much for your guys' time. I really, really appreciate it. We're um, going to come to the Lord's table, which is the best thing we can do when we hear about our own sin and failure and the Lord's faithfulness. And so uh, I want to remind us that this is a great chance. Every time we come to the table, it's a chance for us to confess um, and to receive God's forgiveness fresh and new, uh, to put ourselves in Peter's place here in the text. Uh, not how could you have done that, Peter, but to realize how often we are in the same place, but to realize that God is just as faithful today as he has ever been to forgive and to cleanse. Um, I, I'll remind us as we uh, get ready to go through, if you want uh, gluten-free, if you just raise your hand in a moment, we will have that ready for you. Uh, and other than that, let's come to the table and uh, ask the Lord to reveal whatever area where we have been like Peter, where we have done uh, this and where we have failed, and then to confess that to him and to receive his forgiveness. For what I received from the Lord, I pass on to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you that as we come to you this morning, uh, you are not like uh, the Count of Monte Cristo that we heard about. Though you could seek revenge against us, you have not. But rather you offer us freedom and forgiveness and redemption. Lord, would you meet us at the table to encourage us in that. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to pass out the elements. As you get them, please hold on to them. Confess whatever sins the Lord would bring to your mind and encourage yourself that uh, while we are faithless, Jesus is faithful. Father, we know how often we fail. Like our father Adam and our brother Peter, we have often turned from you and your ways. And like them, we have hidden our face in shame, fearing you would not receive and restore us. Jesus, we know that you never fail. Yet, like wheat, you were crushed and broken and suffered the fire of judgment. You did this so that we might hear the word of forgiveness and blessing. So today, as Peter did, we confess our sin and your righteousness, our failure and your faithfulness. We give you thanks for your body that was broken for us, and we receive your forgiveness and restoration fresh and new. Take. Father, we know that our place in your church and history is not as prominent of that as of Peter. And perhaps Satan himself has not stood before your throne and asked you to sift us like wheat. We do not know what it's like to fear for our very lives for simply being a follower of Jesus. But we do know the power of temptation, and the sting of failure and denial. Yet, Jesus, we know that even if we're not well-known and considered important like Peter, you are at the Father's right hand, and you continually intercede for us so that our faith will not fail. And we know that your blood was shed to forgive our sins and to secure our salvation. 
our sins, though they are many, have been washed clean by your blood. So we give you thanks for your blood shed for us, and we receive its purifying and healing power. Take and drink. Lord Jesus, as Peter denied you three times, so three times you questioned and restored him. For your forgiveness and restoration matches and exceeds our sin. Holy Spirit, impress upon us the reality of forgiveness and restoration in our hearts this week. Sanctify us that we might resist sin and embrace righteousness. As you empowered Peter so that he boldly proclaimed the gospel on Pentecost, saw miraculous power touch the sick and lost, boldly stood firm before enemies, and eventually was even willing to die for the sake of the name of Christ. As you, O Spirit of God, did this in him, so empower us that we might proclaim the gospel with boldness and clarity, that we might see your miraculous power touch the sick and the lost, that we might boldly stand firm and even suffer for your name until the day of our death. Holy Spirit, as you fell on Peter and the disciples at Pentecost, so fall fresh on us. Fill us. Mold us. Use us. Oh Lord, we ask all of this in the name of Jesus, who lives and died and was raised for us and who sits at your right hand interceding for us even now. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Scott's going to come forward. Let's stand together to receive the benediction and the blessing of God. Only fitting that we read out of Peter. Second uh, Peter 3.18. May you grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.